0: Tossin' and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant H-E-L-P slash sober. Welcome back to the Sober Powered Podcast. Today I'm going to talk about how helping others helps us. You'll learn about some studies on helping others, what a helper's high is, and what oxytocin is. I'll explain some studies that looked at people in recovery helping others and how that impacts their own sobriety and give you some ideas on how you can start helping others if you don't want to do it publicly like I am. So let's dig in. Days ago, I found out that my podcast is now in the top 0.5% of all podcasts globally. This is a huge accomplishment, and I especially appreciate everyone who has shared my show. I can share how great and helpful my show is all day long. But most people will scroll by or not give it a chance. But when a stranger shares a podcast that's helpful for them, people are way more likely to listen. So a very long-winded way of saying, I truly appreciate your support and I couldn't have done this without you. In honor of hitting the top 0.5%, I thought I would talk about helping others because that's why I started this show. I woke up one day and had a strong urge to help others more than I already was within Facebook groups. A 2019 study published in the Journal of Experimental Social Psychology looked at how helping others helps us. This study was specifically looking at people who had committed crimes like fraud, theft, assault, or drug-related crimes. The participants scored higher than average on antisocial personality traits like impulsivity, aggression, and lack of empathy. The participants did something that was kind and helpful, what psychologists refer to as acting pro-socially, and they were rewarded with a bonus for their participation. They could either choose to spend their bonus on buying a snack or a school supply for students in low-income areas or to get themselves a gift. And the ones that chose to donate their bonus reported higher levels of positive emotions. And that's what pro-social behavior is, when your intention is to help others, not to help others to help yourself. So they did a few variations of this experiment with different populations and found the same result. The ones who chose to help others felt better than the ones who chose to keep money or get a gift for themselves. An interesting find from this study was that even though these participants had above average levels of impulsivity, aggression, and less empathy than the average person, most of them chose to donate their bonus to a charitable cause. Humans are social, and we depend on others for our survival and happiness. Oxytocin is a hormone in the brain that's produced when we are trusted, when people are kind to us, and it motivates us to help others. Oxytocin works by enhancing our sense of empathy, which allows us to understand how others are likely going to react to a situation. Studies have found that there's a thing called a helper's high, where the brain releases oxytocin, dopamine, and serotonin in response to helping others. And all three of these chemicals make us feel good. Research has also found that the helper's high is associated with a stronger immune system and a reduction in stress hormones. So helping others doesn't just make you feel good, it's good for your health too. It's even been found that helping others activates our limbic system, which is what drugs, alcohol, food, and sex activate. Remember back in episode 62 when we talked about what dopamine is, it causes the brain to pay more attention to the experience and remember it so you can seek out the same good feelings again. And this is why when people help others, it usually creates a cycle of wanting to do it again and again. Stories cause the brain to release oxytocin, and studies have shown that the amount of oxytocin released predicted how much people were willing to help others by donating money to a charity, for example. We are storytellers, and we love telling and listening to stories. Stories allow us to make sense of our world and give meaning to our experiences, and this is why we're so attracted to personal stories of recovery memoirs, and interviews on podcasts. MRI studies have found that stories activate many different areas of the brain, and people are more likely to change their lifestyle when they identify with a person in a story who has made the same change. When information is presented in the form of a story, it makes us more likely to listen, engage, become emotionally invested, and we are much less likely to criticize the information. So this is why stories can have such an impact on our lives. Personal stories of recovery started being shared first in AA and are now being shared all over memoirs, podcasts, on social media, in the news, and at speaking events. In a 2015 study published in Alcoholism Clinical and Experimental Research, they looked at teens who were in treatment for addiction with a six-month follow-up later. 42% of these participants had a persistent fear of being humiliated or scrutinized in social situations, and 15% of them met the criteria for social anxiety disorder. As part of their treatment, all of the participants attended a 12-step program, and the researchers saw that there was no difference in participation during the meetings for people with social anxiety or without, but the big difference they saw was at the six-month follow-up. Participants who had struggled with social anxiety disorder and actively participated in helping others during their treatment had a significantly reduced risk of relapse or incarceration. Helping others truly helps us. The lead researcher in the study, Maria Pagano from Case Western University, has done several different studies on helping others and how that helps to strengthen our recovery. In one of her studies from 2013, published in Substance Abuse, she followed sober people who participated in AA for 10 years. In this study, they measured alcohol consumption, AA participation levels, whether or not the person became a sponsor, if they completed the 12 steps, and self-rated thoughtfulness towards others. They found a significant direct effect of helping others and attending meetings on relapse rates and caring more for others in general. The people who were more helpful to others also attended more meetings and did more step work. Pagano's research shows that being active and helping other people stay sober helps us stay sober, too. In a 2004 study, she and her colleagues found that 40% of people who helped other sober people in recovery stayed sober for a year, compared to 22% of people who did not help others stay sober. In a 2009 study, they found that 94% of people who helped others long-term, like over a year, experienced lower levels of depression. 94% of people. So based on her studies, we can say that helping others basically doubles your chances of staying sober. And this goes along with white-knuckling it too, because a lot of us think we're not like everyone else, we don't need meetings, we don't need support, we can do it all by ourselves. But studies truly show that doing it with other people, helping them and letting them help you just helps everybody stay sober. So if you are someone who's being really stubborn about giving a meeting a shot or looking into social support, then this is your sign to try something this week, anything. And I'll give you some suggestions in a bit but I was that person. I thought I didn't need anyone else either. And that's silly because it doesn't mean anything about me that I need other people to be around. It only helps me. It doesn't do anything negative. So when we get sober, many of us feel a strong desire to help others get sober too. It's like this really deep urge to do service work. And that's also part of the 12 steps too. So this could show up as wanting to write a book start a blog, start a YouTube channel, share on Facebook or Instagram, become a coach, become a therapist, become a speaker, or start a podcast like I've done. Helping others provides us with purpose, accountability, distraction, and it allows us to never forget where we came from. It's so easy to romanticize alcohol the longer you've been sober and to minimize the bad times. I talked about that in depth in episode 79 if you're struggling with it, but helping people who are newly sober or trying to get sober forces you to remember what you dealt with. You see how badly they're suffering and you remember why you can never go back. I think helping others is key to staying sober, Otherwise those thoughts about maybe you weren't that bad, maybe you can handle it now, no one would know, etc. are going to come for you. And without connection with other sober people, it's too easy to fall into the trap of believing those thoughts. But your intentions matter when you're helping people. If you're focused on money followers, fame, or getting a book deal from it, then it seems from the first study that I told you about with the at-risk population that you won't feel as good from the experience. Because even though you're helping others, you're helping others to keep that reward afterwards. You're not helping others purely just to be helpful and make their lives better. You're helping others with the intention of getting something out of it. So social media is telling us that all you have to do is turn your mess into your message, charge money for your lived experience, and you'll become financially free and make a ton of money working two hours a day or less. And that's just not going to work for the entire world. We can't all be financially free sharing our message and working two hours a day. I'm not saying that people shouldn't be compensated for their time, hard work and credentials, but keep your focus on what matters and don't let social media and these dreams about financial freedom sway you from your purpose. It's easy to get stuck thinking about numbers, money, followers, and lose sight of the actual individuals that make up those numbers. Most people with podcasts quit because they aren't getting the numbers that they want or they can't monetize, which then makes the experience of podcasting less rewarding for them. I've never once considered quitting this podcast or doing less episodes. Yeah, getting to the top 5% is really rewarding, and when I have sponsors and they help pay for the costs of podcasting, well, that's also really rewarding, but that's like a secondary reward. What's most rewarding for me is when one of my listeners reaches out or leaves a review for the show and shares how much my podcast has helped them. Knowing that the show helps people get sober and stay sober is what matters most to me. And even though each episode takes about 10 hours of prep work and sometimes it's really challenging to find the time... I do it because I know it helps people, and it helps me to do the research. Plus, this show provides me with a ton of accountability. I feel like if I just disappeared one day, at least a couple people would ask why. I feel like I matter, and that feels really good. And that's why doing service work, whatever that looks like for your life, is important. You feel like you matter, and you're making a difference, and what you're doing is important to someone. It makes it easier to resist weird thoughts about drinking again someday. Followers, money, not having to work, and popularity are really nice, but those are not going to sustain your happiness because there's always another number to chase. Doing something that helps others purely because you want to help them is what will give you that helper's high. A helper's high and a money or popularity high are two very different things. The money or popularity high is like a big boost like you might get from alcohol that then falls really quickly and you're chasing the next one. But a helper's high is more gradual and it lasts longer. So if you want to strengthen your sobriety, then the science shows that helping others is one key component. And not everyone feels comfortable being public like I am about it. So if that's not you, then look into sober Facebook groups like mine or going to meetings like AA. Smart Recovery, The Luckiest Club, and East Coast Sober Squad. So I'll have all those links in the show notes, and then I'll send out a ton of options for what you can do for social support in my weekly email. And you could also support an addiction charity by volunteering. You could even volunteer for a different charity that isn't about addiction. You could go back to school and become a therapist if you have that desire, or you could get a coaching certification and work online or work in your local hospital. And if you are looking to coach and do not want to work for yourself and do the sales portion, then please make sure the certification program you attend is recognized by your state. So looking at local coaching jobs online will tell you what the certification requirements are, because if you get one that is not recognized by the state, then you have to get another one. Just like I shared in my episode about doing a dry month, getting support basically doubles your chances of staying sober. And why wouldn't you want to double your chances of staying sober? Who wants to go through that beginning again? So please remember that you're not alone. You're never alone. There is at least one person in the world who has struggled the way that you have struggled and understands your experience and that you could relate to too. So stop trying to force yourself to do this alone. Take a little bit of time today to think about a way that you could help other sober people stay sober. And I'll talk to you next week.